What's up guys? Welcome back to Life Below Parallel. Today we have a good friend, Sean Ryder. Sean is an author, a gym owner, a husband, a father, a dad, da, a, a dog dad, and some people might not agree with me, but I think he's an all around great guy. Uh, I'm gonna let him jump in and give a brief introduction before we get the conversation started. Welcome, Sean. Thanks, guys, for having me on. Um, I mean, that was a pretty solid intro on uh, the, the titles of my life, right? Um, I've been a gym owner for seven years. I came out of college and became a high school teacher and um, almost immediately opened a business and so ran, ran with that while being a teacher and finally walked away from that to run the gym full time. Uh, fast forward a couple years, I'm now you know, a husband, a father, a uh, second baby on the way. Um, at a point in time now where I've removed myself from 90-ish percent of the business. So um, this year, 2019, I've been working on some other projects uh, that kind of spin off the gym or the lessons learned from the gym um, and just figuring out what the next steps in my life uh, look like uh, for me as an individual, for my family, for my business, for the team that I have around me and making sure ultimately, I think what you and, and Matt do is just surrounding yourself with great people that can pull you forward while you try and reach back and pull people who want to be pulled forward. Um, so you're being pulled, they're being pulled. That's where I'm at in my life. So I think that's why we're connecting on this, on this podcast here. That's that infinite mindset, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you wrote a book. What, uh, Tell us about it. Yeah, I guess that was the first little project was um, in January 1st, I opened a Google document and just started, I literally labeled it my book and just started typing um, and it ended up uh, getting written and published on Amazon in exactly six months. So January 1st, to, uh, June 1st or geez, July 1st, I don't even know uh, which date it was now. Um, but uh, I wrote a book, uh, The Relentless Pursuit of You, Six Pillars to Take Back Your Life. Um, and it doesn't really talk about me as a gym owner or what my gym does. It's been the things that I've seen impact people from my gym, uh, the things that have impacted their life the most, which one component of that, one is fitness, right? One component of the six is fitness. Um, nutrition and sleep are two other components, which I think get talked at, talked about at these gyms a lot, but ultimately the three other pillars, um, were the things that I felt when I talked to people personally over coffee, what they can really take control of outside of fitness, nutrition, and sleep. And that was personal development stressors, more focused around social media and what they consume and follow on there. And then ultimately connections, um, whether it be a relationship um, with their spouse, their friends, or a tribe, like a small community, like a CrossFit gym um, or a church or anything like that. So um, just took some time, put my thoughts down on paper and put a freaking book out there. And uh, it, it did well. Um, when it first got released, it was the number one new release in the teen health section, the midlife management section, time management section, um, number two bestseller in a few of those categories 
um, which was really neat. But, um, you know, ultimately me as an author isn't the end all be all. It's not who I really view myself as. I think um, it's just one part of uh, a part of my life so I can at least pass something on to other people and that being one medium, which is a book. So six months, that's relatively quick when it comes to writing a book, one would think. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I wouldn't recommend that to people because it comes back to Parkinson's law, which is if you give yourself two years to do something, it'll take two years. Um, and I got off, I think with a lot of things people are fired up about when they, when they are trying something new, they're really fired up at the beginning. And, and I got off to a really good start there for three months. And then once I had to slow down and do some of the editing, which I had an editor and then, you know, I had to go back and implement what the suggestions were and organize things. Um, things slowed down a bit. Uh, and so I really at the four month mark told myself, you need to get this out in six months or it's going to take the, the whole year plus. So I think a lesson there is put an end date on something that you're trying to accomplish. Um, and whether you get it by that date or not, that's a whole nother discussion. But I think for me, it was smart because I'm not a best selling author. So I shouldn't have taken three years to write it. <clears throat> Some would think that it would take some serious discipline to be able to knock out something like that in such a short period of time. What were some of your habits that you maybe had to change or create to be able to make that happen? Yeah, great question. Um, was I literally put on my phone Monday through Friday uh, from noon to one o'clock, repeated every day through the week. Uh, my book was the name of it. Uh, the alarm went off. 15 minutes before noon and I knew I had 15 minutes to get whatever I was doing done um, or get home or get to my computer or get to Starbucks. Uh, usually it was Starbucks or the other local coffee shop, Hopscotch, um, and get the computer out and just start typing or at least revise what I typed yesterday. Um, so that was the new habit was having it on my calendar. Uh, I think some people would just be like, you know what? I'm, I'm gonna go to the gym. I'm gonna go get this account set up. I'm gonna, you know, go buy this book. And like, if you, even something as small as going to buy a book that you said you were going to buy for the past two years, put that on your calendar and actually see it. It will most likely make you go do it. So, um, some days I only typed for that hour. Other days it ended up turning into three hours. So, um, that was a new habit that I established. Um, another habit, which we'll kind of talk about here with social media was I turned my phone off, uh, which is crazy, right? In 2019 is things aren't as hard to do as we make them out to be. Turn your phone off. And immediately people are going to hear that and be like, I can't turn my phone off. I have kids and my wife drives for work and but Okay, cool. So did your grandparents. Right. <laughs> cell phones. That's right. Like <laughs> if I'm only going to have my phone off for an hour, when it comes back on, I will get whatever emergency was waiting for me. And I wouldn't be able to control the situation even if I had my phone on and got that call. Um, now the small subset, minute uh, 0.0001% of people that have had serious emergencies in the hour they turn their phone off, right? Like that's unfortunate, but 
uh, it took six months of doing that and I did not miss one important event. I think that's a great way to lead right into one of the first things that I wanted to touch on. And I want you to tell us a little bit about the chapter on stressors and media. And yeah. why do you believe it's so important? Yeah, it's a, a big question to tackle, but it always just comes down to these easy little things that we can tweak. Um, and so I'm just going to talk about like my story or what I've seen from people around me most. And ultimately just making the decisions that I've made in regards to my social media is um, I, when I was a teacher, every teacher basically had a quote at the bottom of their email signature. Um, and mine, I don't know where I got it from, but my quote was observe the masses do the opposite. Um, and I've always felt like that was me taking a stand against the education system. And it was like very risky for me to put that in my, my teacher email. So anytime I sent a mass email to the whole school district, like that, that quote was read. Um, but I think that that is how I've lived a lot of my life is I look at the status quo, the majority of people, and I know that I want something a little bit different. And so right now over, you know, especially since probably around 2012, 13 with the explosiveness of social media, um, virtual reality is here. It's not Oculus headsets and people playing video games. Like your phone is a virtual reality. Um, there's real people on the other end of those accounts, hopefully, but um, we are playing and living in the social world on the internet and there's, there's some negative data coming out from that already in attention spans, attitudes, depression, anxiety. And I just know I don't want to be a part of that status quo. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess that quote, I've actually never told anyone that that was the quote in my email. So it's interesting that popped in my head when you posed that question. Um, I guess that's where it originally comes from is I don't want to be the person that misses out on what's right in front of them in real life because they're so consumed with what's happening in the social life. Um, and what I started to realize once I became more aware of these things was there, there is positive on social media if, if you're going and looking for it. But I think it's safe to say that there's a good subset of a good set of people that aren't looking for it. They're just surrounded by negativity and it makes them negative. And they may not even enjoy most of the time, enjoy that negativity, but they're doing nothing to be proactive to fight against it or to actually at the end of the day, not see it. And that's what I talk about in the book is unfollow, unfollow the shitty accounts, right? Like that's so easy. That should be a given, right? I don't care if it's a family member, a former best friend, whoever it like, Every, every week I'm blocking or unfollowing or unfriending people. And these are people that I might see on a regular basis because I just don't jive with the things that they're posting. And let me, let me preface this with, it's not that they're saying things that I fully disagree with or, you know, in terms of politics, like, oh, I'm this side and you're posting. Like, I don't, I don't shy away from those discussions. I'm just shying away from being like just straight up negative or frustrated or um, putting blame on other people. Like, I don't want to read about that stuff. Uh, so I unfollow those people. 
And then one thing as I talk to clients, and you guys can chime in here or cut me off at any point. You know, one of the biggest things for, I think, some people that might be um, listening to your podcast is we start following people that we think are motivating us. This is the harder part of social media. The people that we admire. Yeah, the people we admire. The people that are a step two or three above us. And we're like, all right, this person, yeah, I love their content. They're motivating me. Let's go. Um, You know, for me, years ago, it was the CrossFit Games athletes. Um, You know, maybe a year, year and a half ago, it was, you know, the the big content creators, the podcasters, the, the wealthier influencers on social. And that's all fine and dandy until, until we start feeling inferior to them um, to where we are now saying that we'll never be like them, that we can't be like them, that we're just not ever going to have that opportunity. Or, what, or maybe even wondering why it's taking so long for you to catch up. Right, right, right. And so when you start questioning yourself as compared to somebody else, that's the opportunity that you can take to step away from that account for a while. Okay. When I say unfollow, unfriend, block, whatever, that doesn't necessarily mean forever. All right. I've definitely followed people, unfollow them, and then go back later and follow them. When I myself take accountability and ownership for my own thoughts towards that person has done nothing wrong. That person's success is not wrong. What that person's writing is not, um, is not uh, wrong. How I'm interpreting what, how they're living, what they're saying and comparing it to me, that is wrong. So once I'm more mentally mature to go back and follow those people, then I do that. So what, what my challenge to people that read the book was, Find the people that you're, that you think are motivational and they are motivating people and you follow them because you wanted the motivation, but you aren't mature enough now to handle their content. So you need to stop following them right now. You might not follow them forever, but at least in the short term till you get your shit together. It's a comparison game. You yep. know, it's you keeping up with the Joneses. You know, like, oh, man, they're making a bunch of money. Why aren't I? They've got the nice car. Why don't I? They're lifting a lot of weight. Why can't I? Yeah. When in all reality, that just it doesn't matter because they're not living the same life that you are. And you don't know how dirty their house is, how, how empty their bank account is, how much physical pain or mental pain they might be in. And you're sitting there comparing your life to them. You're just being unfair to yourself. That's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, question quick. Yeah. When, so when you uh, put, the phone, put the phone down, shut the phone off, or got off social media, started on following accounts, what were some things you noticed about yourself that you didn't see before? That's a good question. And let me, let me, um, let me bring this uh, activity into play. When I was writing that chapter, um, I was on the couch, like where I am now recording this, and we have an open concept from the kitchen to the living room. My phone was on the kitchen island, which is literally 15 feet from me. And I just closed my eyes and I could, I, this, this might sound weird to y'all, but like I could literally feel my body being pulled to my phone. It was 15 feet away and I could still see it. And so Next, I imagined that it was upstairs in another room that I couldn't see it. And like, 
your heart starts fluttering a little bit. And like, if you guys do that right now, real quickly, like you might feel the same thing. Uh, you know, so the question is like, when's the last time you turned off your phone? When's the last time you went out to eat with your spouse without your phone? When's the last time you put it under your car seat when you went into the store? Um, so, so what, uh, what I became more aware of number one was obviously I was way more productive. I wrote a book in six months. <laughs> like, like that's number one. Um, you're actually going to be able to focus on your task. So it's interesting. Our head coach at the gym, he posted the other day, like what, when's the last time you read a book? And, you know, we're really high on this with our team. Like you should always be, um, reading something. I don't care if it's only a page a day, a book, an article, whatever. And someone had said, someone had mentioned, well, I, I listen to podcasts. Does that count? I'm like, yeah, that, that counts for professional development or personal growth or whatever you want to call it. But he made a good point. Most of the time when we listen to podcasts, we're multitasking. We're driving, we're mowing, we're walking, the dogs, we're cooking. And, so, and I, I do this when I listen to Audible books, which is why I only do one Audible book a month with my Audible account. I can't listen. Like I just don't sit and listen. You're multitasking with a book. There's no other option. So the same thing is when you turn off your phone, you now eliminated one of the biggest distractions that you're in control of. So there's the other thing is productive, less distractions. Um, I can say that at Starbucks, yes, there's other people and there's distractions there, but it made me more aware of my environment. Um, I actually wrote about some examples in the book of observations from Starbucks. <laughs> like I watched a couple, this might lead into the connection thing. Like I watched a couple right next to me, bitch and moan and complain to one another about like the, the, the wife got like a Sunday looking frappe mocha bullshit and got her husband a coffee. And she just politely like said, Hey, you want to try mine? And he said, no. And she got mad because he said no and started like huffing and puffing. And then he responded negatively. Five minutes later, the person that they're meeting with for a business meeting, they both just like sat up and became the happiest, giggliest people in the world. And I was like, that is like, that is so fake. Like they should have been a little bit nicer to another before he showed up instead of putting on the fake face. So you become more aware of your surroundings. You become more in the moment. Um, you're able to, to disconnect. I hate using cliche words, but like, especially for us people that own businesses or have jobs, higher level jobs where our team is able to access us all times a day. Like you've got to put a barrier to different areas of your life. When I think you're in flow, when I think your life is going well, you should be able to flow from one area of your life to the other. It's not, Oh, Sean at work and Sean at home. Like when I'm happy and fulfilled, like I'm just going about my business and I go from one thing to the other. But what I'm talking about here is the barrier between the people at your different areas of life, having access to you when you're in another area of your life. Like the people at my gym, they know if I don't respond to them, it's because I'm doing other things and that's okay. I know that you've done a couple things to help yourself, you know, outside of just unfollowing accounts or unfriending accounts or blocking accounts. But recently uh, you've removed the Facebook app from your phone yes. and 
took a you took a what a month long Instagram fast? Yeah, I took uh, I took thirty days no Facebook app on my phone, which continued. That was like four or five months ago, and that's continued. Um, I actually, when I absolutely need it, I will literally just download the app, post whatever I needed to post for our, our business, which is one thing a week, and then I'll delete the app again. So that's just another habit that I've gotten into. Like I'm okay with downloading the app, taking the two minutes to do that. Why not just go to the website? Well, this, uh, well, in this context, it's a video that I have to post for Jim, uh, and it doesn't upload. It's you know Facebook's weird sometimes, and it doesn't upload. Yeah, I can't schedule the post on okay. it. That's a good question. Without the app, you can't schedule. Yeah, the but during that thirty days, I only accessed Facebook from desktop. Okay. which was literally only twice a day. So you're going from picking up your phone 50 times a day, five zero to check Facebook to only logging in twice a day. And this is the crazy thing. Like we talk about social media apps being programmed to elicit the dopamine drip in our brains. That's why they have the pings. That's why they have the notifications. That's why they have the red circles. Get rid of Facebook on your phone for a couple of days. Log on. If you're someone that creates content, you get like some likes and comments on most of the stuff you post. Log on after 24 to 48 hours and you get that big rush of 17 or 30 notifications only to realize that none of them have anything to do with really what you posted or commented on. Like it, it, it's, it was crazy. That eye-opening experience was like, oh my God, 30 notifications. This is great. And the first time that happened, not one of them being of importance. It really just puts things in perspective. And then I just recently did a 30-day Instagram. Um, no Instagram on my phone, which basically means no Instagram because Instagram is shit on a desktop computer. You can, I don't think you can post from – yeah, like I, I couldn't do it. Um, and I didn't log into it on, on desktop. Um, that I was telling myself that that was hard. And that was hard because I – put more family content on my Instagram because that's where my mom follows me at with the Instagram stories. But I've been back on it for what's today, the 20th, 19th. So 12 days. And that like excitement isn't there anymore. You've probably noticed, like I haven't been posting great content on Instagram. It's because that 30 day fast just it, it took away that fire and desire. And I, I guess I should say also that at one point I wanted to be a content creator. I wanted to put things out there and, and I still want to help people. Um, but I realized doing these things that it's a hell of a lot better when you do it in person. Um, on social, people are looking for that one quote that's going to fix their life. That's not how it works. Like I literally have to go to coffee with people and listen for an hour or two and not give any input if I'm really trying to make an impact in their life. As I become a certified mentor, like it's going to take numerous ongoing phone calls over the long term before I make an impact in someone's life. You can't do that through social. You can't do that through posting content. Um, you can help people, yes but not to the impact that I decided it was good enough for me in my time. So that was, that, let me clarify that. All of these comments are for me in my life 
and realizations that I've come to for myself, for nobody else. So as we go back to the comment you said about comparing yourself to people, like what I'm saying here, even on this podcast, isn't the end all be all for everybody. Because I know even you, Ron, are really good at Instagram content and you keep driving that, keep doing that. And people are reaching out via text messages to tell you the impact they have on your life. And that's a good thing. I'm just talking about how I've made the decisions for me, right? Yeah, man. And I think that's a great way to lead right into how important connection is. Yeah. Um, here is like social media is great. Let me, let me go back and say that as well, because it has given people uh, that at other points in history who would be secluded, who might feel alone, who are physically alone, um, who don't have this, quite the social skills one-on-one face-to-face, uh, it has given them a platform to find their people, right? Tribes are good. Tribes on social media are good. We're not going to go down the rabbit hole of pitting tribes against themselves on social. That is bad. But social media has given people the opportunity to connect in ways that they may not have had 20, 30 years ago. That's awesome. This is the biggest pillar or the weakest pillar I had. The hardest chapter I wrote in the book ended up being one of the longest chapters in the book. And I think I opened that chapter by telling people, I'm not writing this for you. I'm writing it for me. I have more experience and positive effects from the other pillars in the book. And so I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm helping people in the other chapters. This chapter, I feel like I'm helping myself. Um, I was so driven so focused on my goals my whole life um, that I never really established good quality long-term relationships. And when I um, moved on to different aspects of my life, the people that were a part of my life at those times, I pushed away and moved on from them as well. Um, I don't regularly communicate with people I went to high school with. I don't regularly communicate with people that I went to college with. Um, and so this is something I've struggled with. So I don't know if I'm the person to talk to in terms of the connection, but I just know in terms of my life is I realize I need to find the one or two people that I can lean on. You know, you're talking spouse, really good friends, um, other family members, a mentor to really develop a good, solid, deep one-on-one relationship with those people. Find a small group of people, which in my life is my team at my business, and then my mentoring team that I'm a part of, and then a slightly larger community or tribe that I can be associated with, that I'm not running, leading, or in control of, and that is now at this point in my life, my entire gym. I used to be the leader of that. I don't view myself as the leader of the gym per se. I'm the leader of the small group leadership team, but I'm not the leader of the gym per se. Um, and then the larger community that I'm going to be a part of in the mentoring practice that I'm, I'm joining. I think those are the things that, uh, when people look at their life and relationships, those are the three areas or pools that they should spend some of their time in and really getting to know, uh, the quality of people in those relationships. And that does mean Whereas I've left people, I've left people behind my whole life. 
that was a negative thing. But there's people listening to this podcast who have allowed negative people and people that pull them down to stay in their lives. Those are the people that you need to leave behind. Not everybody like I used to do. Right. Sean, how, how long have you been like get formulating these five pillars, like, and gave them titles and gave them names. Is that something that came about during the writing of the book or was it in your head before that? Uh, right at the end of the year of 2018. Um, and I, I'll give credit to uh, Aubrey Marcus in his book, Own the Day. I think he did a really good job at laying down a foundation of these different areas of, of his, his life. Um, and even reading his book, it's like, okay, good. Let me take that and implement that and implement that in my life. Okay, this, this doesn't jive with me. Um, you know, with certain things that he, he enjoys and indulges in, in his free time in his life. Um, so I didn't take those. And so for me, I ended up taking that concept and that idea and looked at it. Who can I impact the most? And immediately it was the people in my sphere, sphere of influence were the people at the gym. So I kind of balked it down and narrowed it down, um, to the six things that I feel like, uh, they can work on now. Uh, the things that have impacted me the most as well. So it was really personal experience. Um, getting, uh, so I know more about that personal experience. Can you, I want to know uh, one thing before you wrote the book and you put the name to this stuff, what yeah. was it that drove you to make a change for yourself? Where were you and at what place, where were you prior to this or prior to, you know, all of your things <laughs> that drove you to this point? Yeah. I, uh, um, and I'm going to, I'm going to, hopefully this kind of answer, I'm going to tweak the way that I present it is, basically the pillars fall under the title of the book, which is the relentless pursuit of you and where, so I, I started the book without that title. The, the, the title of the book in my head was actually um, it's on you was the first title. Um, and I, it didn't like, like I liked that phrase and I ended every chapter with that phrase. Ultimately this pillar is on you because I wanted people to take ownership and accountability. And then one day I was just writing something and I was talking about my life and growing up and that I was always striving for something. Um, you know, when I was young, I was a football player and I wanted to be the best. I wanted our team to be the best. I was fortunate enough to be a part of some really good football teams growing up, literally from fourth grade to my second year in college, which was my last year of being a football player. Um, I think the total total number of games lost from fourth grade to sophomore year of college was seven. It was like under 10. So I was always a part of a winning culture. So I was, I was fortunate enough, grateful to be a part of um, good coaches that pushed us to be better. That's where the relentless pursuit of you comes. Um, but then after football, um, I wasn't, well, I never went and saw a psychologist or, or anything, but um, you know, I sat on the couch for three months and didn't do shit. I went, to class. I went home. I watched TV till midnight, went to sleep, woke up, went to class. Did you feel like you lost your identity at that point? Yeah, right. Obviously I was a football player. That was my, that was my identity. <clears throat> um, and then, and then after about three months, one of my friends uh, that was no longer on the football team either, he's like, you're coming out with us. We're going to have a good time, et cetera, et cetera. And fast forward, like I realized that, look, that passion, that drive, that desire I had to be better as a football player like that's not gone. That's still in you. And now I just need to focus on my education and my schooling. So for the rest of college, 
I put time into my studies. I put time. I didn't miss one class my sophomore, junior, senior year. I took 18 and 21 credits my last four semesters, which you had to get special permission to take more than 18. Um, two days a week, Tuesday, Thursday, I had five 90 minute classes back to back to back to back, which I have yet to meet somebody else that did that while they were in college. Um, because I was driven to get, get done on time, get good grades, Dean's list, chancellor's list. But then after that, it was, okay, now I'm a teacher. I want to be the best dang teacher that I can be. I want to open a business. And, and so part, I wouldn't say that that's in my DNA. Partially it could be partially. I was around some really dang good people growing up. Um, and then ultimately as a gym owner, I've just seen people give up on themselves and there's nothing more devastating than that. Especially after they've done the hardest part, which is decide they want to make a change. And so this whole thought of relentlessly pursuing yourself is it's relentless. It's ongoing. It's, it's the next time and the next day. And I'm in pursuit of my future self. That doesn't mean, and I mentioned this in the book, that doesn't mean to never be happy or content with what you have. What I'm talking about is completely different than the relentless pursuit of more or the uncontrollable desire for more stuff, money, things, whatever you want to call it. That is unhealthy in itself to a certain extent. For me, I want people to be, to be on the path of fulfillment, to be okay with where they are today while tweaking the things that they ultimately decide need tweak to make them better. For me, part of that was to talk about realization was I, my fitness pillar was so damn high. I worked out two to three hours a day. I was trying to be competitive in fitness, blah, 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 blah. At the detriment to these other areas. I needed to realize that it was okay to take some of that energy and focus in this area and move it to another. And to, I guess to circle back to your question on what made me realize that was I did have a girlfriend turn into a fiance, turn into a wife during this entire time. And hearing her, you know, vocalize some of her needs at those times I was getting frustrated because those things were, I viewed them as obstacles for me getting mine, me getting what I wanted. Obviously you can see how selfish that was. <laughs> um, it's still a struggle in my head some days, even as a father, I think I've done a good job at setting my schedule up to where I am home and present um, physically and mentally for my family. But once I decided that it wasn't just about me, then I could finally take a step back create these pillars, but other people will call them values. The important things in life, your overall vision, you have to be able to narrow those things down. And that, that ultimately has worked for me. So if there's something in your life that doesn't quite feel right, detach, remove the fluff, stop being frustrated. Don't be emotional for a moment. Step back. And people are like, what does that mean? Literally take a physical step back from whatever's in front of you, a table, a chair, a wall, nothing, whatever. Take a step back. 
put a piece of paper down and just start drawing, start writing. Draw circles and put words in them on what's most important in your life. And then the hardest part is don't, don't lie to yourself. So many, and I, the more I talk to business owners, it's, I, you know, I've built this business. My relationship though, isn't that great? Blah, blah, blah. I'm a family man. Well, when's the last time you had dinner with your family? Well, it's been a couple weeks. Well, then you're not a family man. <laughs> if you were, you would be taking actions to be that. So put yourself under a microscope. Have hard conversations with yourself. Don't try and find the answer from other people. Find a book like mine to maybe guide you, but ask yourself the questions. Hell yeah, dude. I, I can't think of anything else that we would need to go on further outside of our follow-up question for the end of the interview. <laughs> now all we want to know is, Sean, is what does a life below parallel mean for you? A life below parallel is, you know, I love y'all's, I love that name. I love the logo. Obviously that's those lines slightly below parallel. And I guess I'm going to bring this back to just what I've done in terms of the gym is we're, we're, we're asking people to give us the best range of motion that they have. Right. And the true standard is to get your hip crease below parallel. You may not be able to get there today, but we're going to give you tools to get as close as possible. So a life below parallel to me means the full range of motion of what your potential is. Making, making sure that you're opening yourself up to the tools that some other people are providing the tools that might already be in front of you, they're in your head. You tell yourself these things all the time. You just haven't acted on them yet. And taking the first step, doing the first squat to make your relationship better, to pull yourself away from the need to get likes on Instagram, to go to bed at nine o'clock instead of midnight because you went on a Netflix binge while your, your wife went up first and she had to fall asleep alone. Take the first step in eating a real food instead of a candy bar. Take the first step of getting the $10 gym membership if you can't afford a private coach. That's what a life below parallel means to me, is the full range of motion reaching towards the potential that you have and believing in yourself to pursue and relentlessly pursue you and, and figure out who that future you is and meet that person someday. Hell yeah. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. I feel, uh, I feel inspired, Sean. I think I'm going to write a book. Do a couple push-ups, <laughs> and then, and then write one page, write yeah. one sentence. I've actually written a few sentences. Maybe I'll start with a paragraph. That's awesome, brother. But thanks a lot for coming on, man. I'm looking forward to seeing what you can accomplish. And, uh, you know, I, we're definitely going to – I'm going to get your book, read it over. I wanted to um, before this, but I haven't had a chance. But send, I, me, send me a direct message. I'll send you one. Definitely, man. Thanks so much. And uh, hopefully we can take something away. And our listeners uh, got a lot out of this. But Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on.
Awesome. You got it, Sean. Thank you. Perfect.